This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Welcome back to the Heroes of HP12, the Wick and Wanderers podcast powered by the fans. I'm Michael Kenny, and this week I'm joined by Adam Cooper, Dan Clark, Harry Ware, and from the Buxbury Press, James Richings. This podcast is all about giving a voice to the fans of our great football club. Each episode aims to deliver high quality, in-depth discussion on all things Wick and Wanderers. Don't forget, you can also join in the conversation by sending us voice messages via SpeakPipe. Want to share your opinions on matches or other aspects of our football club? Go to speakpipe.com forward slash heroes of HP12 and leave us a message via the on-screen instructions. On this week's episode, we're analysing back-to-back away days at Morecambe and Cambridge, previewing this weekend's Adams Park return for a crunch showdown with Lincoln City, as well as discussing the recent publication of the club's financial reports. We kick off with the action from this past week as the Blues took their hunt for the playoffs on the road, first to Morecambe on Saturday, closely followed by last night's trip to Cambridgeshire. Wickham Wanderers will need to be perfect to have any chance of reaching the playoffs following a tough last-minute defeat to relegation-threatened Morecambe. The Blues started brightly in the Lancashire sunshine, Lewis Wing's low drive from outside the box being the best chance of a competitive first half. It was more of the same after the break as TJ DeBar once again proved troublesome, his drive into the Morecambe box lacking the final product. Derek Adams' men were winless in their last nine coming into Saturday's game, but the form book was thrown out of the window as Cole Stockton's dramatic rebounded effort gave the hosts the lead with just minutes remaining. Desperate for a response, the chairboys almost snatched a draw, but Jack Grimmer's headed effort at the death was denied by the crossbar. 1-0 the final score, another disappointing trip to Morecambe ends with the Blues losing ground on the promotion race as the League One season nears its conclusion. The playoff dream remains alive as the Blues bounced back following Saturday's disappointing defeat with a hard-earned 2-1 victory over Cambridge United. Returning to the starting lineup, Ryan Tapazzoli put the visitors ahead after half an hour, perfectly timing his run, getting on the end of a Lewis wing-free kick. 
Wickham doubled their lead just before half-time, David Wheeler reacting fastest, nodding in from close range after Sam Vokes' effort struck the crossbar. Like Morecambe, Cambridge are also fighting for their lives at the foot of the table and offered a stiff test, eventually finding their way back into the game through a neat Sam Smith strike just after the hour mark. Roared on by a desperate home crowd, Mark Bonner's men would have drawn level had it not been for Max Strick, the big pole in the goal, making several crucial saves to secure a vital three points for the chairboys. Guys, we said going into the Morecambe game on the last episode that it was do or die. Actually, I think, Dan, it was literally your words. You said do or die going into Morecambe. But you know what? Here we are two games later and we're we're still in this bloody thing. I don't know how, but we're still in it. What learnings do Matt and the team take from those last two games as we head into Lincoln? Because realistically, if we want to get into the playoffs, we got to keep winning. I'm saying, didn't I? It's the last five games we've got to win all five. But I think we're just fortunate in the fact that every other team seems to be kind of screwing up in some way or other around us. So you, you look at last night's win against Cambridge, and actually, you know, if we'd beaten Morecambe, which we should have done, uh, we would be one point behind, and anything anything could could happen. I mean, Peterborough have got the toughest run in. They've got Ipswich on Saturday, and they've got Barnsley on the final day. So. I think if we're going to catch anyone, it's Peterborough. Um, but yeah, we're, we're still in it, aren't we? So yeah, very positive. We're still in it. I have no idea how. Um, you look at some of the results we've had this year. Two results against Morecambe, not particularly positive. Had that result against Burton recently, not particularly positive. We've had a lot of uh, a lot of funny old results. And there's been a lot of funny old results in the last two or three months. You look at how much Sheffield Wednesday have suffered. Plymouth have been on a bit of a downward run. It's which have tripped up a couple of times. Even Barnsley, who were going like a train at one stage, which sounds things a little bit more difficult. I think it really does point out actually how good this division is. When you look at the the size and the status of the clubs above us, I think that really says, you know, when if you just said at the beginning of the season, you're going to lose your manager, you're going to lose your two best players, and with three or four games left, you're still going to be in with a decent chance of, uh, of nicking a playoff place. Um, I think we'd all have taken it. So, you know, credit where credit's due. The um, the guys recovered very, very well from, you know, let's be honest, it was a poor result on Saturday. It wasn't a poor performance. The performance was there. But as we've said before in this pod, just the ability to finish off was um, just wasn't there. But no, all, all, all things considered, we go into um, into the last three games in, in pretty good shape. Well, going into the final three, Matt Bloomfield said yesterday that um, he personally doesn't know how many points he thinks he needs from the next nine available to get into the playoffs due to the um, uh, due to how um, chaotic it's been this season, which shows how competitive this, this league has been. Um, the win yesterday was uh, was the most important, I think, because if if even if Wickham had got a draw, it would have felt like a defeat, and I think that could have potentially have ended any playoff hopes. But with three games to go, four points off, there's gonna there are gonna be tears come May seventh. And I reckon one of the teams in the playoff places as it stands at the moment will drop out and it's Wickham's to gain. Lincoln on Saturday will no doubt be a difficult uh, task because they are the draw experts. I think they're the only team in the division to have drawn twenty times this season. So I personally believe seven points from the next nine available could potentially get Wickham into the playoffs. But of course, it's out of Wickham's hands now in that sense, because teams above us need to drop points. But if it's still mathematically possible, there's every hope that Wickham get, can uh, get into the top six. Yeah, I just want to t- touch on what uh, Dan Adam said. I mean, I was speaking to people that about those three games, Cambridge, Forest Green and Morecambe. 
I thought we have to win those three to really have a chance of even getting near playoffs. It was after that Ipswich game where we lost 4 0, everyone thought playoffs were gone, and then we win against Forest Green, and then it feels like playoffs are back on, and then it sort of goes in a cycle like that. And um, But like Adam said, results are a bit all over the place in League One. I mean, Sheffield Wednesday was struggling at Burton, you've got Primer struggling um, against Lincoln, who we've got on Saturday. So it can just go anyway um, every week, and uh, it just changes for the scenario every game. Um, especially after the Cambridge one yesterday. I mean, most people thought we were out of playoffs, but um, but uh, yeah, it looks like it could be back on. It's very much the uh, the Wickham way of finalising the season, isn't it? You know, it's uh, it's one of those though because we've got two Saturday games, and then I think we're playing the Portsmouth on the Sunday, aren't we? So we're guaranteed the three points against Portsmouth, but we haven't won on a Saturday for the last two, you know, since obviously Gaz left. So probably due for draws or losses against Lincoln and Cheltenham, and. Uh, potentially sneaking in on the final day because everyone else seems to have lost as well. But it's it's just one of those, again, where we're incredibly consistent. And I touched on it last week or the week before where you know, we've gone into these double headers and we've had a bad result and a good result. And we just don't seem to ever kind of hit that level of consistency. And that's, you know, if we are to get playoffs and, you know, I've been having a chat with a few people this week. I think Wickham Twitter went into absolute meltdown um, after the Morecambe game on Saturday and I kind of left it because it just became like a you know, nuclear fallout zone, really. I think even if we get into the playoffs, I don't know how we'll fare against the the top two playoff teams in there. They're just I know they're kind of hit and miss and Sheffield Wednesday just seem to be in a bit of free fall, uh, doing what Plymouth really should be doing. But um it's I, I don't know how we'll fare and I'm not kind of really expecting anything. I I quite at this stage with the rebuilding that we've got to do, I'd be quite happy to stick with another promotion campaign in League One because I just think we've got a lot to work on over the next season and a bit. Uh, it sounds quite defeatist, but being honest and being a rational, putting a rational head on it, I think that's probably the best outcome for us. It's it's a realistic expectation, isn't it? And I think we mm. don't talk really enough and, and I don't want to, you know, I think every team, every fan wants their team to get promoted, right? But sometimes you look at things and you you look at the team that we've got, you look at the structure of the club, and we're going to talk about the finances in a little bit. How will we fare in the championship if it happens and and we get promoted? It'll be another tough season like it was a couple of years ago. Um, I want to quickly touch on the the, the match facts, the stats from the game, because it's it's just one of those things. We've mentioned it on the pod before. These stats sometimes just don't mean anything and really just highlights what an absolutely nutty season it's been just ignore the stats mate ignore the stats yeah absolutely but look let's let's run through them quickly because it's let's let's do a bit of depression right 55 percent possession obviously as we know the law of wick and wonder has suggested we've got more possession we're probably not going to win but the biggest takeaway from the game was 20 shots i mean yes four of them on target but we peppered the morgan box uh you know throughout the game and, and we really did have a go dan you talk about needing to find that consistency that's been something that i i think we've all noticed recently that we've just not been consistent we'll win a game we'll lose a game we'll draw a game we'll win a game we'll lose a game and it's just been like that pretty much since blooms has come in what do you what needs to be done how how does a team find consistency when we've been on a run like this stop getting players injured <laughs> i mean you look at last night the difference between having folks and gmat back Mm. against Vokes and GMAC coming on second half against Morecambe. We've lacked that threat and that's why, you know, Sam Vokes is 
deal that he's obviously signed today is so welcome. And it's not necessarily because he's a 20-year goal season striker, as we keep alluding to week in, week out, but he's actually, he just provides so much more and brings in the wingers a bit more and brings in, you know, brings in the midfield because of how he holds the ball up. That's the experience and the skill that he's got. And that's what we've missed. So, you know, consistency probably comes with keeping players fit. But, you know, we've got centre-backs like Paper at the moment, Tafazoli falling apart and Farino falling apart. Night, yeah. and, I mean, it comes to say something when Jordan Willis is our most fit, fit centre-back in our squad, considering his, his career. So, a bit worrying on that front. Well, on Dan's point there about having the players fit, I know it doesn't look great defensively in terms of the personnel that we've had out this season, but Tapazoli coming in yesterday for well, on, on Tuesday, I should say, um, I thought he was um, I thought he was fantastic, uh, not just because of the goal that he did score. I thought overall, I thought that was the sort of cutting edge we were missing at the back. Um, nothing against Jason McCarthy. I know on social media he seems to get a bit of stick. Um, but after the Morecambe uh, loss, Bloom's, uh, Bloomfield even said himself he needed to make some changes and he obviously made the change with Tafazoli, a fit Tafazoli coming in the back and it worked. It's now a case of if Farino is injured, can Tafazoli play alongside Willis? Because they've not done that um, yet from a starting um, from from starting a match. So the next three games are going to be vital. It's it's just a case of being consistent. And I think obviously the consistency comes with Bloomfield coming in. He's still a novice as a manager. He was he had a good thing going at Colchester, he won manager of the month, and then he gets put into a position which he wasn't expecting to come back to the club, which he loves to take over from a manager who's been part of the furniture for 10 and a bit years. So it was really going to take some time. And even after yesterday's game, um, we were ready to speak to him. He was having a chat with us off um, off the record. Then he just said to us, excuse me, guys, do you mind if I just have a moment to myself, please? And we're like, yeah, sure thing. And you can tell he was just sort of enjoying the moment of getting a hard-fought 2-1 victory. Because that's the first time that Wickham have won where the opposition have really thrown the kitchen sink. It's the first time Wickham have won without a clean sheet. And for a manager, yes, you want to try and get that clean sheet along with the win. But when you've got a side that's struggling, they're throwing everything at it and you've managed to get that result away from home, he's really going to enjoy every moment of that. So that's when he said, if you just give me a minute, I'll come, I'll come to you guys in a moment. It's still a transitional period. So... Whatever happens, I, in a way, I kind of agree with Dan. I was thinking about this earlier. If Wickham do get into the playoffs and do get promoted, will the club be prepared for it? We saw two years ago when Wickham did get promoted. I think it was seven losses in the first seven games. You can see the gulf between League One and the Championship. That isn't to say Wickham weren't good enough because they only went down by one point in the end. It takes time. So whatever happens, yes, getting into the playoffs is the ultimate goal. The Kuwaits have said that since the start. It's what the fans want. It's what I want from a reporting um, aspect. But it won't be the end of the world if we can don't get into the top six. It's been a brilliant season regardless. Yeah, I can know the trip to Wembley though. Sorry, sorry. Oh, yeah. I just, just want to get in. I want to go to Wembley. Yeah, you go, you go. Sorry. Who doesn't <laughs> want to go to Wembley, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> exactly. Obviously, we've... Um... Bloomfield and that transitional period, I think it's important to realise that if you take out the Ipswich game where we were we were outplayed by a team who's probably going to win League One, I think most of the games there's been one or two goals in it and we've looked like a side that could probably nick that goal and get the win. Obviously against Morecambe it didn't work out how we wanted it to work out, we just didn't have that end product. But I think the way he wants to play football at Wickham, obviously having uh, 
having had that a few months at Colchester. I think um, I think it is going to work eventually with the whole consistency, like Dan said. But he just needs to get that consistency, that throw games where we are winning uh, week in week out. Uh, but at minutes, just um, like Dan said, that consistency. That's where we're going wrong at the minute. So, so let's talk positives from from the weekend's action from from the double header because we we talked about Morecambe. We're all disappointed with Morecambe. I think Dan in the, in in our group chat, you said uh, this has got an eighty nine minute Morecambe winner all over it. And lo and behold, I don't want score predictions from you ever again, sir. Um, but let's talk positives. Let's talk about Cambridge last night, James. You mentioned big win for Matt. Uh, huge. We really kind of came up against it last night, but there were some fantastic individual performances. Let's talk about them. Uh, I wanted to quickly mention Wheels, who was everywhere last night. Him and Freeman, I think they covered pretty much every single blade of grass last night. From from back to front, some immense performances. You know, Strick was... Well, I mean, obviously we conceded a goal, but largely unbeatable uh, between the sticks last night. What does what kind of confidence does that give you guys as fans heading into Saturday's game? It's um, it's it's absolutely huge because yesterday was a real show of Wickham's mental strength, considering that Cambridge are fighting for their lives as well. And they're, in, they're one of the form teams in in League One when you look at it. Prior to yesterday, they um, they were unbeaten in four. They'd won three of the last four, picking up 10 points, and they're just beating their rivals, who are one of sorry, their, their neighbours in Peterborough, who are in Wickham's um, sort of area of trying to get promoted as well. So they were flying, considering their current position. So for Wickham to go to Cambridge and get the result, it does wonders for, um, for confidence. But as we've seen, that game's gone now, and... Lincoln can come up on to Adams Park on Saturday and do a job on Wickham. So it's a real, um, it's going to be a real interesting test. But the fact that Wickham managed to withheld a real strong storm, I mean, you, you mentioned it there. Strayek, in my opinion, was one of Wickham's better players, especially in the first half um, at nil nil. I think he made three very, very good saves in the opening 20 minutes. And that sort of allowed uh, Cambridge's flow to die down, which eventually led to Tapazoli giving Wickham the lead through Wings free kick. So, no, I agree with you, Michael. The confidence is really going to be high for Wickham after yesterday's uh, victory. But that game's gone now when Wick and Lincoln will be a clean slate. I uh, I completely agree with, with James there. I think, you know, as, as he touched on earlier, it's a massive uh, thing for Matt to kind of come off such a, you know, come away from a, a very tough game. Um, you know, as I say, Cambridge are in form and, and actually... You know, they threw everything at us in those final 10, 15 minutes. I was kind of cringing quite a bit because I was thinking, oh, this is inevitably going to be a draw or a late loss or something like that, just knowing the way that we kind of handle ourselves. And yeah, we held on and, and, and you know, we we were very resolute. And I think that's probably down to the determination of the team to put things right after Saturday. We're just not one of those teams that kind of barrage and, and kind of like we did against Morecambe and get a result. Uh, we just seem to kind of capitalise on being clinical from the counter attack. So I don't know. It, you know, we we seem to be hitting our stride, but only on the weekdays. Can we all agree that that was probably the longest eight minutes of the season when that board went up? Yeah, I'm I'm now 52. God, yeah, it was it was awful, wasn't it? It just I don't even know where they got the eight minutes from. I mean, you know, Cambridge were absolutely kicking off about the referee last night. I don't know why, because that goal was definitely a goal. Um, yeah. it, you know, Wheeler was onside. I mean, you can see from the replay that he's onside. I don't know what they're kicking off about, but to add maybe eight minutes onto the end of the game, I mean, there was a blood injury at the end, but that was in that was even in stoppage time as well. So that wasn't even inclusive of the eight minutes. You just think, what's that about? 
Like, I don't, I don't know. We can't take anyone for granted, as James has just touched on. When we first were kind of set this up and we were talking about Burton, that was, from our point of view, a nailed on three points. Mm. And since then, they've beaten some of the top teams in the division convincingly. And do you know what? If they carry on this vein of form and Dino Mamria continues to do what he's doing, they'll be up there next season. Because yeah. they seems to have completely turned it around. Their mentality at the moment, they're beating all the top teams. I think, you know, if you're coming at the right time of the season, they'll probably be a different proposition. And that probably rings true for a few of the teams around, hanging around the bottom. I mean, you look at Port Vale at the beginning of the season, Exeter. They, you know, they look like they could be up and near there at the end of the season. So anyone could beat anyone. Cannot take Lincoln and Cheltenham for granted, especially considering Cheltenham came to us, you know, drew five all with us recently. So we're just we've got to really dig in and win a bloody game on Saturday. That's that's what on a Saturday. That's what we've got to do. Yeah, I think one big thing for me from the Cambridge game as well is as soon as we got that goal through Tapasori, um, it almost lifted the players a bit more, gave them a bit more confidence. And I think because as soon as they got that goal, they were trying to get that second shot away, and we got it through Wheeler eventually. Um, but I thought, yeah, there were some very really good individual performances there. I thought, I thought Tafasori, I know he got the goal and it's easy to talk about him, but I thought he was brilliant in the last couple of minutes just to, you know, just control that back kind of make sure we did see it out for the win. But I think it's a big win uh, just to show everyone that they're not going to give in on the playoffs. And uh, especially with Cambridge as well, because when they came up to League One last season, they were a good team. They were trying to get in the top half and... Um, I think they've just had a shaky spell this season, but they're showing what they're worth in the last couple of games. I think the big takeaway for me from the Cambridge game yesterday was I went into that really not feeling particularly optimistic. Whenever I see Cambridge on the on the fixture list, for some reason, I've always kind of considered them to be a really difficult side for us to play against, uh, particularly over the last couple of years. I just thought, given our, our recent form kind of up and down, that it was going to really, really be a difficult test. It was a difficult test. And I think it speaks volumes about the players under Blooms that we were able to get a result. So huge three points. Uh, we're going to talk about the Lincoln game coming up. But before we do, we were going to deep dive the 2022 financial report that was published last month. We were going to discuss that in depth with Adam. Unfortunately, his internet has actually just broken. So we're going to have to do a truncated version. I wanted to quickly talk about it because it's been published it's been published publicly through Companies House. It's done the rounds on Twitter and I think that there is a little bit of a misconception. I think the thing is is I think the four of us on this we know that football and, and money it's just a bit of a black hole isn't it you just you just avoid where you tip money in and nothing really comes out and really most business most owners of clubs know that when they're buying a football team the the chances of actually really making tangible profits are slim to none and that's definitely also the case with Wickham and as fans we know that Wickham have been run on a shoestring budget for years and years so with regards to the published report. We're going to talk about it again either next week or in a couple of weeks with Adam uh, on the podcast. But Dan, what can we make of the recent report? And is there any kind of myths that we can dispel quickly? I, I kind of had a, a bit of a deeper dive into this um, as much as I could because they didn't publish the profit and loss, which you wouldn't expect a club to do. So, um, no. I mean, that just if you don't have to, you wouldn't as a business. You, you don't need to put that out as public. Um, but I think in terms of the misconceptions from my point of view is that this isn't this season compared to last season. This is championship season compared to our first season back in League One. And from that, 
you are looking at two completely different operating models with the money from the championship compared to the money in League One. So the, there is a drastic change in the amount of money that's coming in and the amount of capital that we would have got from uh, being a championship club. Um, obviously, you know, first season coming back, we kept retained most of our players. So they are on naturally you know, more champ- lower championship level kind of wages, things like that. So obviously there will be percentage wage drops in the contracts and things like that that we'll consider, but he's still looking at retaining players that were playing in the championship last season or season before, what should I say? I don't think there's anything of two concern. I mean, obviously some of the le- other League One's clubs have, have come out with their finances and Charlton have got, there are millions and millions of pounds of debt and all of them are massively in debt. I don't, obviously, you know, the, the Kuwig stance is to create a sustainable club, which is fine. You know, I, I can see what they're trying to do. But obviously, there's a there's a decent spend on infrastructure at the moment and, and trying to bring that up to standard. We, we know for years that that has been probably below League Two level. Uh, they're bringing it up to a level where it should be, you know, more or less where, where we are now. Um, so th- there's been a bit of spend in that. I mean, I think the only thing that concerned me a little bit was compared to the season before, uh, the auditors did put the fact that it was a, a going concern, um, obviously, with, with the nature of how the finances are going. Um, and I think, obviously, this has been um, mixed in with Rob's kind of message about the fact that we're on a £3 million loss uh, as well, which he mentioned to the Trust, I think, back in December. There has got to be, you know, some kind of smart, spending and I, I don't expect us to spend big in the summer and we're certainly not going to spend anywhere near what Ipswich did on Broadhead and things like that but I think if It'd we look nice. at it sensibly I mean yeah it'd be lovely wouldn't yeah. it you yeah. know, spend a million, million pound on a player I think our record's probably still Sean Devine isn't it I think so yeah and that was 98 from Barnet so you know that's I mean, that's crazy isn't it it's you know we haven't we haven't spent any more than our transfer record fee transfer record fee in uh for 25 years which is absolutely crazy but we, we we're looking at two completely different operating models i think the the interesting tell will be when next year's accounts come out for this mm-hmm. season compared to having two seasons in league one i don't think it's by any means us going down the pan i think rob's shift uh towards obviously taking more of the trust shares means that he can probably invest a bit more into the club invest a bit more into the stadium which obviously i think the terrace really needs doing because at the moment Terrace seems to be the problem, especially in terms of the atmosphere and and things like that. I think there's a lot more that can be done. You know, I don't think it's the doom and gloom that it's portraying to be. I think we just got to take it quite rationally. We we don't have the full facts to hand with the profit and loss, so we we can't truly comment. I mean, obviously, you know, four hundred grand from Derby helps, which uh, for me dis- displays a little bit of culpability from Derby if they're willing to give you four hundred grand. Let's talk about, I mean, let's talk about the 400 grand. James, I know that that's something that you brought up. Now, obviously, given the fact that Rob was really kind of kicking off about what we lost financially or what we could have what we could have taken in the championship had we actually survived at the expense of Derby. 400 grand, we're not going to turn that down, are we? But how do we feel about that versus what could have actually been dispensed instead? Oh, it's it's a hard one, isn't it? Because you think if Wickham were to remain, if were to have stayed in the championship back in 2021, with fans coming back and the teams who got relegated that year from the Premier League coming to Adams Park, who knows how much Wickham could have got? Um, 
Derby are still rebuilding after the mess they've been in. So 400 grand for them just to give to a club as a settlement. You would like to think it would have been more, but I think it just sort of now just ends the saga that um, should never have happened in the first place, in my, in my opinion. Um, it's a case of we'll accept it. It's, if it's the best we can do, the best we can do. And then let's just move on and put this to bed. The whole fiasco was an absolute, in my opinion anyway, was an absolute farce from the beginning. We don't need to go into the depths of it because I think we all know how we feel about it. Um, and it is it is literally um, the least Derby can do. So Wickham are 400 pounds, uh, 400 grand better off, but at the cost of being in a league lower than when they really shouldn't have been. So um, it's a case of putting that to bed and hoping that uh, <laughs> Wickham could potentially pip Derby to um, to a place in the championship this season. <laughs> that would be true justice, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, well, one can hope, one could hope. And just for the record, these are my views, not of the BFP. I have nothing against Derby. Disclaimer. So it's all good. <laughs> so it's all good. Destined to be a Derby P, uh, Derby Wickham or Derby Peterborough final if we ever get to the final. So F- football Isn't script just... writers. I mean, football just writes stuff, doesn't it? Really? You know, I think I think the cruise has done a brilliant job when it comes to the investment. I mean, they've been sensible with it. They haven't gone all out to try and get back into the championship. But at the same time, you want to improve your infrastructure. You want to improve your brain squad. But we're we're nowhere near the likes of we're talking about with Barry and Macclesfield and teams like that that threw everything out to try and get in the leads above so exactly I think that's the point Harry isn't it you know we're, we're not in a Barry or Macclesfield position and I don't think the Cooids have kind of put us in that position anyway so I think that's the one thing that I don't know if you've noticed but the the worry on Twitter is that we're, we're falling down the pan and we don't want to do what Yeovil and Scunthorpe have done because obviously they've been relegated into North and South National League North and South in recent weeks I don't you know you know we're not looking like that are we no i i, I don't think we'll be put in that position from the careers either because i think from what they're showing they're not gonna throw everything out i mean when we did get to a championship we didn't exactly have a squad that we thought could even get in the championship let alone getting the playoffs of league one i mean um obviously there was improvements to the squad but um i still don't think we'll ever be in that position because you you look at those and you see something examples down the years when teams throw the money out and it doesn't come off. I mean, you look at Derby, like we were talking about, they lose that prayer final against Aston Villa and then they come down the leads and they throw everything out to get in the Premier League. And then you see the position they're in and you don't want to follow suit. And um, yeah, so I think they're doing a brilliant job. And obviously it's, it's concerning seeing those numbers go around Twitter, but at the same time, you have to sort of look at the bigger picture and think, um, you know, they are trying to improve the club at the same time and look at look at against the others as well i mean you look as i said you look at your charlton's and ipswiches and sheffield wednesdays and they're releasing their figures and it's far scarier than ours even some teams in league two are doing exactly the same so i think i think a lot of people look at it as well as um because obviously a couple of years ago we weren't even talking millions for wickham i think a lot of people look at it from that perspective because obviously when we were down in league two and with trust zones and things like this we're not even talking hundreds of thousands and uh, I think that's a lot of people will be opening their eye to just seeing those sort of numbers even circulating with a club like Wickham but then you see it to the other teams like you mentioned it's not quite as bad as a lot of people think it is. And I think as well based on what Harry said there I mean when you look back to I think it was about around a decade ago when Wickham really didn't have two pennies to rub together I remember the um, was it the academy that got closed down 
um yeah. several years and, and that academy had matty cash in it <laughs> did we know um we all know about 2014 and the and the uh the potential thoughts of going into the non-league which could have really have impacted the club so you know it's not all doom and gloom obviously when you see those big numbers you think oh my goodness me but i i don't think it's it's as bad as what we're, we're seeing at the moment the Kuwigs are a fantastic group of people who obviously care about the club and they want the club to succeed and it's no surprise in the time that they've been at the club we kind of got to two playoff finals and a year in the championship which has never happened yeah. albeit during a pandemic that's hit that that has impacted everyone across the globe so you know these are still very unprecedented times for the club but you have to be positive and think the only way is up I think I think the one thing that worries me, I think there's still significant investment that needs to be made in the stadium to bring it up to where it needs to be. We've talked about the access road. I know when I was down at the Milton Keynes-Dons game, God, when was it? Beginning of this month, uh, and Rob was on Wickham Sound and they were asking about the access road and it's pretty much getting close now. I think they're looking for it to be open around the beginning of next season. There's still a lot of money to kind of go out and at the moment, in terms of the attendances, and we've touched on this in previous episodes, there's, there's not enough coming in. And I don't think even from the, the television revenue and things like that, I don't think we're getting enough in. So it's a case of what we really kind of need to understand is what's going on over the next coming months and over the next season to kind of drive further revenue. Because, you know, obviously, I know majority of it comes from fans, but something something's got to give. Definitely challenges, but also lots and lots of opportunities. And we're going to turn our attention back to this season because we're still in it. We're still in with a shout. With the playoffs improbable, but still very much possible, the Blues return to Adams Park this Saturday, seeking another three points against mid-table Lincoln City. The Imps have experienced a mixed season, but have a pretty decent record against higher-placed opponents and are undefeated this campaign against top performers, Ipswich, Plymouth and Sheffield Wednesday. Guys, the last time we faced Lincoln uh, was to date our only goalless draw of the season. I've got a bunch of questions that I'm going to throw at you here because I'm taking questions from earlier on in the conversation. But focusing on the game first, uh, what do we need to do besides win to get the result? I know that Bloom's the last few games and the last few weeks, he's been playing around with the shape of the squad, playing around with, you know, obviously who's in the starting lineup. We've we've not been able to have full flexibility due to injuries, but it looks like that's slowly, slowly changing. Hopefully, Farino Touchwood, we get some good news on him before Saturday. Guys, what are our hopes, expectations heading into Saturday? Let's get started there. I think now it's the case of a win is a win, regardless of how you get it. And I think if you, I, I personally believe that if we can just go out the traps and just try and penetrate Lincoln to the point where they're going to eventually break. Because you look at the quality that we can possess. You've got McCleary back from injury. You've got uh, Vokes back from injury. You've got DeBar and Campbell waiting in the wings. Nick Freeman has played the most games for Wickham this season. I believe it's 46 games I think he's played collectively. That's a lot across of games. The season, which, is a, which is a lot of games. He's the only player, I think, to play... No. I scrapped that. I was going to say he's the only player to play in every single competition for Wickham this season, but he also played in the Bucks and Barks, and obviously he had a few fringe players who have since gone into the um, into uh, the league and what have you. But the point I'm trying to make is that if Wickham start off the game out the traps, just get to Lincoln and just try and put them to bed early doors, obviously it's easier said than done. They could be like, right, okay, rest up, 
make a few changes in the second half, and then we can just focus on Cheltenham the following week. I think, I th- in my opinion, that's the that's the way to go because we all know that it's now going to be that time of the season where there's going to be a result which is going to completely throw everyone off and it's going to give other teams around Wickham a sense of an opportunity to get into the top six. Wickham, being the outsiders looking in, know that it's a win or bust. Yet incredibly, with how chaotic this season has been, Wickham can pre- we can, could probably draw their next two games and still get in on the final day of the season against Pompey. That's the way the season's gone. Um, so I personally believe just go for the juggler, try and get as many goals within the first 20 minutes, half an hour, just completely pepper them. And you'd like to think that, yes, we can, uh, Lincoln have been quite resolute this season. You'd like to think they're on their summer holidays, not going to go down, not going to go up. They've drawn the most games. So you'd like to think that Wickham could potentially uh, break that back line. Hard to beat, though. Defensively, very sound, very resolute. They've got the most nil-nil draws in the league. And they've been, as I mentioned, the top teams, the teams that have been running right this season, haven't been able to beat them. But this is where I guess Wickham need to show how much they want to get into the playoffs. Because as we said, speaking to... And it's, it's actually interesting speaking to... Bloomfield about form you know a team has done this a team's like that he's always said it doesn't matter what they've been like because they could be completely different on the day and it's a case of that's then this is now if we have a game plan that we reckon is going to weaken them we're going to go for it so it's a case of just trying to in my opinion anyway just go for the juggler just completely bombard them pepper them do not give them a moment's breath make Adams Park a fortress like it was last season when all those late goals being scored at the terrace against sides that uh, everyone thought they would, everyone thought we can, uh, they they would beat when they got to Adams Park and they didn't. Just make it really difficult for Lincoln, and you like to think three points could be in the bag. I think it. I think it's easy to say with Lincoln because of their positioning in the league, they're not fighting for playoffs, and they're going to stay in league one next season. It could be easy to say they're not playing for anything, but if anything, that takes the pressure off them. I mean, you look at their last couple of results. I mean, the one the one that stands out for me is that that wing against Plymouth at Plymouth as well. I mean, you think how good Plymouth have been this season. And that's a massive result in the title race. And uh, you see them do that sort of thing. And also with Lincoln, I think they're really building for next season. They've got a young squad. And if anything, that will that will mean they can show a bit more freedom that the youngsters like to do in football. So it will still be a good challenge, one that I think we need as well if we are going to say we do get in the playoffs, we'll need these challenges just to test ourselves against the better teams that can cause us problems. The only thing I remember from Lincoln away was that it was bloody freezing and I wanted the game to end so quickly. My I couldn't feel my feet and that's the only memory I have from that game because it was nil-nil. It was essentially shit. But I remember going into it though and it was, I think Lincoln hadn't lost at home or they were unbeaten at home. So they're a tough ty- tough side to break down, but they just seem to have had too many draws and not really had much up front. So we shouldn't we shouldn't be losing a game like that really because you know, they've got nothing to play for now. They're not going down, they're not going up. So, you know, just do what, you know, Gillingham did and in the last 10 minutes of last night's game against Leighton Orion, just do nothing. Let us let us win. Let us that, win, please, Lincoln. Please. <laughs> well, that game you mentioned it, Dan. That game at Sinsel Bank uh, back in December. Uh, that was the same day that England played France in the World Cup. Was, yeah. Everyone around wasn't even focusing on Lincoln Wicked. They were looking. I, I was sitting in the press area. People were watching the uh, Portugal Morocco game. 
you know, they had yeah, their... Yeah, Morocco won that, didn't they? Yeah. Morocco won. <laughs> Everyone was just thinking about the World Cup. And I remember people leaving mm, yeah. around me thinking, right, okay, uh, nothing's happening. I'm going to go... Uh, I'm going to go to the pub. I actually forgot. I, sh- I You know what? I can say it now. It was such a long time ago. Um, I actually forgot to take my laptop to the game. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, and I remember I got to Sinsel Bank. I opened my boot. I thought, well, this is concerning. Texted um, my uh, my brother. Just say, just double check to make sure it was there. He said, yeah, it's there. So I ended up putting a tweet saying, due to technical difficulties, there won't be a live blog on the BFP today. That's that's what technical difficulty stands for. <laughs> just James forgetting oh, his laptop. Honestly, I could. I'm so grateful it was a nil nil draw. Could you imagine if it was like the five five against Cheltenham last year? Oh my goodness me! I, I'm so grateful it was a board draw. So, definitely um, um definitely some journalistic insight oh, here from uh, yeah. from one James Richings. Um I want to quickly talk about I mean th- it's not going to be an after four this Saturday. Uh, all eyes are on Adams Park. It's it's a real must win game. You know, looking at the table, we're four points off. Bolton, you know, realistically they've got a game in hand and they're probably I mean they're probably I think the most likely to slip up their form has been kind of very on and off uh, but there are people kind of tripping over here you know Peterborough lost there uh, they didn't lose the last game they won the last game but the game before that they lost so there are te- there is opportunities to make up ground but it really is a case of uh, do or die uh, Dan you mentioned we were talking about the uh, the atmosphere at Adams Park and the, one of the big mm-hmm. takeaways from last night's game at Cambridge was the atmosphere at the Abbey Stadium I think it was mentioned by Phil on comms that it was a very raucous crowd massively behind the team and I I got a bit envious if I'm completely honest because I mean that's the kind of spirit that we really want Adams Park we know that we've got the fans behind us that can make that noise that can get behind the side and a lot of people do but how can we turn Adams Park into a place where people really like I mean really dread going to because they're going to have such a you know a vociferous atmosphere and because the crowd are going to be so 200% behind the side before we touch on that I've watched I've you know been to Cambridge games when they're in non-league and things like that they've always had a fantastic following behind them at home. Do you know what I think? Sometimes it's the stadium that lends well to it. I think it's such a nice old ground. It's one of those, you know, last, it's a bit like Luton as well. It's just one of those grounds that you go to and it takes you back to when you're a kid on the terraces watching games in crap grounds. And, you know, I think it just lends itself well to that. You're all bunched in together and it's it's nice. I mean, the only problem with that is the away end's probably about, you know, you have to take a plane flight to watch the game from the away end to the bloody back end of the goal, aren't you? So it's a really um, strange it's a really strange how they have that set up, yeah. They've done it like Carlisle where they've just built it offset to the to the pitch slightly. I don't know whether they plan to redevelop it and then just kind of Mm. gave up and got bored. But ran out of money um, probably. Probably that, yeah. But I think in terms of improving the atmosphere, I've I've touched on this quite a few times on on social media and I think sometimes it's actually a bit of fans organisation behind the goal. If, if we're going to do anything, I'm trying to say this as diplomatically as possible here, but I think, you know, you've got to have some unison between the fans and if we're going to have any acoustics in the ground, you know, have a drum that complements the music, uh, sorry, complements the singing, uh, you know, and fans kind of organise it so that it spreads, you know, spreads the, the chant as, as we go around. I think at the moment it's too sporadic and I don't think anyone, it's, it's that disorganised that we don't, kind of generate any atmosphere between us you look at mk semi-final first semi-final last season and the ground 
was absolutely rocking and that was probably because everyone you know if you had someone you know starting the chant everyone else would just join in straight away it just seems to be i don't know a bit sporadic i know quite a few people that are moving away from the terrace to the frank adams next season because the terrace just isn't doing what it used to do so you know something's got to change that i don't know whether the investment will change that or what but i think part of it's probably on the onus of the fans and i'm not kind of sitting there slagging off the fans because you know we're all here to watch a game and stuff but you know, I think Cambridge probably what they've got in their favour is they're a bit or, bit more organised in terms of how they, you know, how they generate an atmosphere. And the atmosphere was fantastic. It really was, Dan. And mm. you know, it was it was it was raucous. It really, really was. Um, I think what helped though was the uh, was their complete um, enmity for uh, Benjamin Speedy, the referee. Despite the fact I thought he had a very good game, um, I won't repeat what they were calling him, even though he yeah. got nearly every every decision correct. But that just seemed to add a few more, um, you know, a bit more spice uh, into the atmosphere. And to be fair, it did work for Cambridge because second half, they really did throw everything at Wickham, but then they, but Wickham managed to hold on. So um, it, there, it's, a mag, it's, it's many things, isn't it? It's a case of sometimes the acoustics, sometimes it's the opposition, because there have been times where Wickham, like, I know it's slightly off topic, but if Wickham get an underwhelming uh, side in the cup, people don't really come, you know, and okay. and that and and that has an impact. I remember at Walsall back in uh, November, that's probably the worst I've seen Wickham play. They closed the entire Frank Adams stand, Walsall out some Wickham for the entirety of the match. Honestly, and, yeah. and I think there, are, I think there are many things. And speaking of MK, I think it's because chance for Wickham to get back into the championship with supporters, considering what happened two years prior with COVID. And it happened to be against the side north of the county, which obviously added spice. And considering the last time Wickham played MK before that tie was um, was a, the one nil loss at Adams Park um, in January of last year, when unfortunately Bayo was on the receiving end of that horrific chanting. It just again that all adds into it. There are many different elements that sometimes add into the atmosphere. But you'd like to think, with so much to play for this season, even though it does look improbable, that there is still a chance. You'd like to think the atmosphere on Saturday and next Saturday against Cheltenham could really, really go up a notch. Back to the game itself against Lincoln. Everything to play for, like you said, James. Uh, I'm going to potentially curse this now. Uh, some stats for you. So we are unbeaten against Lincoln in all competitions. A run stretching back to March 2009. Uh, we have not been beaten by Lincoln at home for 17 years. They've not got anything to play for. They've got contracts potentially to play for. There some players that will probably be playing for their future. We can't forget that. We've got everything to play for. With that in mind, what are we going for score predictions? Positive. I think we'll get a 2-1 win. I just think Lincoln will nick that goal, um, but I think we'll get the win in the end. I'm very reluctant to give a prediction because every time I've done it, Wickham haven't won. And I think it's now, I think it's getting to that point of the season where I really don't want to be blamed for Wickham's uh, inability to get into the playoffs. But that being said, I reckon it's going to be a 2-0 Wickham win and Wickham are going to get their first win on a Saturday under the new gaffer. I can't pick it because we don't win on Saturdays. Do you know what? It's come down to stupid, stupid positions now. There's a guy that... Um, uh, that we all kind of chat with on Twitter called Dan McDonald. And he's been to nine, I think it's nine away games this season. He's watched every game he's watched loss. So, you know, one, Dan, don't turn up on Saturday, please. But <laughs> second of all, what's it coming down to? Like, 
it, it could be anything. I, I really can't pick it. And, uh, you know, I, wa- I want us to win. Let's go with a 1-0 win. Hopefully people are fit and who knows? It's every it's a lottery every Saturday. And Dan, if you're listening to this, uh, do come. You're a great fan. And, uh, you know, we're talking about atmosphere. We need everybody at Adams Park. So do come if you're listening to this. Don't listen to but Dan. Also, don't come. Don't come. Maybe. We don't. And, and Portsmouth away, don't come. <laughs> Watch it on iFollow in VPN. That's fine. I'm going 1-0. I'm going to go a Voxy. I'm going to go 62 minute. I'm going to get super specific. Um, it's not going to be... It's not going to be free flowing. I, I hope, James, that we do what you said we're going to do uh, and come out all guns blazing. Uh, be aggressive like we were against Morecambe. That's that's how you want every team to play every single game, right? But I think, you know, with, with GMAC back, with Votes back, with uh, it's been great to see um, Curtis back as well. I know he's only mm. made cameo appearances towards mm. the end of games, but yeah, I've not mentioned it on, on any of these podcasts before, but I'm probably going to do so a few more times. I love Curtis Thompson. And if we can get him back playing more minutes, he's an absolute bulldog in the middle of the park. Um, please, more Curtis. So 1-0, Sam Vokes. There we go. Promotion push is still alive. And I'll do it for this week. Thanks for joining for another episode of the Heroes of HP12 podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe on Spotify. And if you're loving the podcast, please help us out by leaving a five-star review. You can follow us on Twitter at Heroes of HP12. You can follow Adam at APCWWFC, Dan at Dan Clark PR, Harry at HarryWare07, and James at James underscore BFP. He might not see your tweets because he might have left his laptop at home. Don't forget, you can also join in future episodes by sending us voice messages via SpeakPipe. Want to share your opinion on all things Chairboys? Head over to speakpipe.com forward slash heroes of HP12 and leave us a message via the on-screen instructions. We'll be back next week, hopefully still in the playoff race for another episode. Until then, stay happy and come on you blues. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.